0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: You are listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast, brought to you by Green and Blacks. Wildly, deliciously, organic. Discover a different kind of dark.
0: You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan. Now, just a little reminder that the final Big Night In of Season 2 is happening this weekend with RTE broadcaster Olivia O'Leary joining us as our special guest. It's on this Saturday, December 12th, and there are still tickets available from irishtimes.com slash big night Hyphen in we'd also be giving away a pair of tickets on our instagram i t women's podcast, so make sure you are following us there too now, on today's episode, we are bringing you a delightful conversation Rosie Engel had recently with Irish musician Sharon Shannon, surrounded by her two dogs and a sleeping cat called Lucy. Sharon gave us a gorgeous insight into her colorful world. The singer has been very productive during lockdown she has learned the electric guitar, completely redecorated her house and somehow in between all of that found the time to compose and record her brand new album, The Reckoning. Kind of puts her banana bread and sourdough to shame, doesn't it? Here she tells Roisin about the healing power of music, about missing the spontaneity of life before lockdown and how a social media challenge from the rugby player, Robbie Henshaw, inspired some of her new album. Here she is, Sharon Shannon.
1: Sharon Shannon, we are delighted to have you on the Women's Podcast. It's your first time. I feel it's too long. I'm very welcome on here. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Roshin. It's it's a pleasure and, uh, and it's an honour. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, listen, I'm looking at you here and unfortunately our listeners can't see, but I'll describe for them. You are in this beautiful pink uh, T-shirt and behind you are these gorgeous pink and silky lovely curtains and you've got... Three animals? How many animals there? The cat behind me as well, that's Lucy. It's the picture of of coziness and of bright, bright colour. So is, is this colour a new thing or have you always had a colourful home?
2: When, when I was decorating my, my house in, initially, when I got this house 20 years ago, um, I decided that I wanted to have colourful um, fabrics, curtains and, and um, cushions and stuff like that, all really colourful. So I decided that all the walls were going to be magnolia. So all the walls in the downstairs section of my house were all all really really boring uh, magnolia because I thought that it might I I was afraid if I had all different colours in the walls that I w- that it would clash with with colourful fabrics and stuff like that. So for the last twenty years the walls in my house have been really really bland and boring. And then uh, just at the start of lockdown, just before all the shops closed and everything, I, I went to Woody's. And or one of those DIY shops, um, I forget what, which one it was called, and I bought loads of really, uh, loads of different colour paints. And uh, for the first couple of months of lockdown, I was going mad uh, with the roller, and the whole place is, it looks like a Mexican restaurant in here, it's so colourful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I was learning how to do all different types of, um, you know, arty-farty type, ways of painting like which isn't just normal. I um some of the paint here I'll just show you looks like uh velvet. Oh yeah. Look, I
1: have to tell you, listeners, she's got all these lovely shabby chic painting techniques going on and the whole place is colored in purple and flowers and yellows and it very, very uplifting Sharon, I have to say.
2: Loads of stencils, loads of meds. Uh oh I I, I wish I could hold on now. I'll have to get up with it. <laughs> Can you see yeah,
1: the- uh, Sharon is now putting her video all over her beautiful house. She's even got musical notes above the curtains in one part of it and fairies hanging down and flowers and cats and it's there's a lot going on there Sharon. It's not the minimalist <laughs> um fantasy you had in the beginning with your magnolia walls. It's definitely gone into another direction.
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I um I bought loads of stencils as well online. So that's how I did them cats and the musical notes and stuff. So there's loads of <laughs> loads of flowers and everything all over the so,
1: so decorating was your sourdough, Sharon, right? In lockdown.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually I did a bit of the banana bread stuff as well. Yeah. And I was I witnessed the the lack of What do you call it? Baking powder or whatever. There was
1: this fierce shortage. And as well as all that, you're decorating, you're baking everything. You've also been very busy in your actual profession, which is which is not interior decorating, but it should be now, which is music. And The Reckoning is out now. And it's a really brilliant album. I've been listening to it this morning, Sharon, and I'm so impressed because in terms of getting a, a work together like that at this time, it's so difficult. So tell everyone about it and all the different global collaborations that went into it.
2: Well, um, I had a good few tunes that written in, in, in the last year or so. Um, uh, loads of new tunes. But then uh, during lockdown, I started writing loads more new tunes as well. Oh, yeah. And there's this, this whole thing of. I don't know if you know this story about um, I got a phone call from Robbie Henshaw. I think it was in early April or towards the end of, of March. Um, and, um, you know, Robbie Henshaw, the, the rugby player, telling me that he had been nominated to learn a new skill in five days and post up a video of his new skill. And it was in aid of a charity called On Cuss And he had to nominate three people. To do the same so he rang me up to see if I was interested in it and um so uh I had this mad idea I got this mad idea that um I could try to play a tune on the electric guitar because my friend Gregorio who lives here in the house plays electric guitar he actually plays heavy metal music and um I love it I love the sound of it but um I'd never tried it before and actually any instrument that you have to pluck or strung with a plectrum for example a mandolin or a guitar or a a bazooki or a banjo or anything like that, I've always found way too difficult. Out of all the instruments I've ever tried, I I always give up really quickly while trying to play something with a plectrum. I just it's always been like a mental blank for me or something. But I had never tried electric guitar. And there's something about it that, you know, when you look, when you strum the string, the note resonates. And um, I've always loved the sound of the electric guitar, and I've always had people playing electric guitar on my albums and in the live bands and stuff like that. And um, so I, I said, "Well, it's a five-day challenge. People aren't going to expect much, so there's no pressure." So I said, "Okay, I'll take the electric, get the end of Gregorio's electric guitar, and I learn a really simple tune." And um, when I, when, I, when I applied myself to it and really applied myself and, and the fact that I love the sound so much, it was very encouraging. Um, I learned a very simple tune, an easy little tune. I think it was oroshi the Vahawalya. It was very quick. I, I had it in about 10 or 15 minutes. So then I said, OK, oh. I'll be able to play something uh, a bit more advanced than that. So then I started playing this tune called The Jolly Roger, which is one that I, I, I had already written. I'd, I had the first two parts of it already re- written about a year ago. And I started playing that on the the guitar and I was playing nonstop for (laughs) five days. And I actually wrote a new part for it, a third part. So I played for three or four or five hours every day and then the last day the fifth day I played probably for about seven hours. (laughs) Wow and did
1: that kind of unlock something in you did this this newfound skill that you'd learned because a a rugby player had rung you up did it did it set you off on a different path with the album then? Probably
2: did well see I had no plan to do an album even either but when I posted up that that video of me playing the guitar it went crazy like this hundreds of thousands of Views on it, and people were going going mad for it. I I actually dressed up, you know, in real rock and roll style, like with the headband and everything, just for the crack, just to for it to, <laughs> to suit the electric guitar somehow. You know what I mean? Wow! But it was the beginning. You know, my my uh, people loved it so much. My manager and I decided let's let's do an actual recording, a studio recording of of the tune as well. And um, so uh, we got in touch with Alan Connor, who plays. Guitar and um, piano with me, and normally, and he does his own recordings, he's fantastic. So, um, gave Alan the tune, and um, he put together a great track, and we released it, and it was really successful mm-hmm. for us. So, so, so we were delighted. And then, John suggested to me, it wasn't until August, I'd say, that John suggested, he said, You should do an album, you know, let's mm-hmm. let's try and get an album, do a full album, uh, and have it out for the 4th of December. But having the album out for the 4th of December meant that we had to have everything done, all the tracks written. Everything wasn't even written yet. I had loads of bits and pieces of tunes, like just in in tatters in my phone, in my, you know, the recording app on my phone that weren't really finished or anything like that. So the whole thing had to be recorded or written and recorded and everything else that goes along with with doing an album, all all the, the the Publicity shots and and the, the photographs for for the album itself and sleeve notes and all the recording and the, the headache that's involved with trying to um, coordinate all the different musicians and, and pe- from people all over the, the world. We had about about eight weeks or something to do the whole thing, and mm-hmm. I'd said to John Dunford, my ma- my manager, I said you're mad. I can't. I don't think. I, I I couldn't. I I was actually actually gobsmacked listening to him. I thought that he was actually losing his mind or something that he was getting a bit, because he was listening. talking really excitedly about the end goal and how it was going to be great. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and he had this great vision down the line, uh, the line of it all being done and ready for the release Friday, um, the 27th of November. I thought he was gone a bit delusional or something. And so I just let him off. I didn't really say much. And with the, more and more, the next few phone calls, he was on about it again. So I thought, OK, right, he's actually really serious about this. And um, the least thing I can do is do my part, which is so I started writing loads more tunes and going through all the bits and pieces that I had on my phone over the years and everything. Talk to me about um, The Beast from the
1: East, because you're in Soul Hill. The Beast from the East became very iconic from there with Theresa
2: Manion. Tell us about that song. Well, it's a tune that I started writing on the guitar and... Um, it just started going off in this direction um, that sounded like Eastern-type music. And uh, I just went went with it. I don't know where it came from. Um, I'd actually been listening to um, Wally Page, one of Wally Page's albums. And I think there's a good bit of Eastern stuff on Wally's ad- album, on one of his albums, Eastern-sounding music. So maybe some of that influence came from from Wally Page. So I, I just went, went with it, and um, I decided I, I remember, you know, <laughs> them calling that that storm the beast from the east. And I thought it was great.
1: No, it's it's a, it's a great name.
2: The tune in itself is a bit of a beast anyway. So uh, <laughs> there's four parts in it and it, it's fairly um, meaty type of a tune. So uh, that's why I called it the beast from the east.
1: Well, listen, take me back uh, to growing up because I know you're quite a shy person, right? And I know you don't particularly love interviews because of that. Or so I've read that anyway. Um when you were growing up as a girl, was your shyness, your shyness obviously never got in the way of your performance or of your music. So is it when you're playing and when you're performing that the shyness goes away? Well, I, I'm getting a bit, i get
2: getting a bit more used to interviews now. But um, at the start, when when I brought out my first album and everything and doing a radio interview or, or or newspaper interview or anything like that was just like torture to me because I was so nervous about doing them. But I suppose, like anything, if you do enough of it, you kind of lose your fear of it after a while, and you get a bit better at it. I'm still not great at it, but I'm better than I was. Thank God.
1: Well, you're sounding brilliant to me, so I don't, I wouldn't be saying that. But going back to when you were a child, um, I'm interested in that because to be a musician, I suppose you're putting yourself out there. So how did you cope with that as a young person when you were learning music and when you were starting to perform?
2: Well, I, I was very shy in school. All right, but um. And, and there, was, there, was, there wasn't much music in the school, in the, in the national school and in the secondary school that I went to. And where was this, Sharon? Um, Corrafin School um, and Rouen School. I was in Corrafin School for six years. And then we moved to Rouen School for two years, myself and my sister Mary. And then I was in secondary school in Ennis, Colashton Wyrre in Ennis. But um, traditional music wasn't a big thing in those schools. Very few families played music in those in those, in those those particular schools. In contrast to down the road from us in a village called Tuna, where a man called Frank Custy was the headmaster in Tuna. Every student in the whole school played instruments. They all played fiddles and banjos and accordions and everything. And uh, when we were very young teenagers, we ended up joining a, a junior version of the Tuna Kaley Band. And we used to go over to the school For rehearsals at the weekend and it was so I just found it so refreshing and so amazing to see all these tunes written up on the blackboard as opposed to um, you know mathematics or whatever and and, you know stuff that I hated in school Um, Mm -hmm. and the fact that everyone in, in the school in the whole school was playing music it was amazing. Was music in your family then Sharon? Yes, I was uh, I came from a very musical family. My my parents there there are four of us. My brother Gary is the oldest and I have an older sister Magella and a younger sister Mary and my parents were always stone mad for music. Anytime any music came on the radio, the radio was turned up and we were all out on the floor dancing and um, they were great dancers. They they used to dance a dance called the, the Caledonian set which is from County Clare. And they used to go to the pubs in Rouen and Corofin. There used to be music. A three-piece band used to play in the various pubs in Rouen and Corofin, And there would be an accordion player to play for the sets and the waltzes and stuff like that. And um, then the other musicians would be a singer with with a guitar or whatever, and maybe a drummer or a bass player. And um, so they would play quick steps and people would be jiving. And so there was quick steps, waltzes and the Caledonian set and um, maybe the Haymakers jig and stuff like that as well. So we used to go into those pubs with our parents when we were really young, before we ever even started playing and we still love going. And, you know, we'd be given the bags of potatoes and the peanuts and um, <laughs> out dancing, you know, with all the neighbours and everything, yeah. dancing waltzes. And, everything. and
1: how did you find your instrument then, Sharon? How did you... Find the one that was for you.
2: When we were a little bit older then, when um, uh, Gary, my brother, was probably about 11, maybe at the time or something, my parents sent him to music lessons in Corrafin, uh, which is the, the, the village that's three miles away from, from where we come from. And he, he learned Tin Whistle. And he taught the rest of us that Tin Whistle's at home. And then a few years later, he went into secondary school in Ennis and um, he became a member of the St. Flannon's Cayley Band, which was St. Flanan's was, was the school he was in, in Ennis. And he, he was a member of the St. Flannan's Cayley Band. And he started playing the con- concert flute. and And then we all wanted to copy Gary and play the concert flute as well. But it was Gary's idea that we all take up different instruments. So he named all these different instruments that we could have, like fiddle, banjo. Um, harp, pipes, balron, you know, whatever. I can't remember all the different instruments that he that he named out. But as soon as he said accordion,
1: just, I have to stop, give a shout out to your lovely dog there. What's the what's their name?
2: Oh, this is Misty. now that's spark and hold on. I'll bring her up and I'll
1: show you. Misty wants in on the action.
2: She does. No, Misty. No. <laughs> <Hello.
1: laughs> Go on anyway. So he named all the instruments. Yeah, yeah. And when
2: when he said accordion, I just cracked up and I said. I love an accordion because I I had these great memories of my my uncle Eamon. Eamon Me is his name M E E from uh, Liscanner. He was actually my uncle in in law or whatever. He was married to my my mother's sister, Kathleen. But every time we we used to, we used to visit them in Lescanner, he would take down this little honer accordion and start playing it, and I was fascinated by the instrument but we never got to play it uh, maybe it was very precious to him or something we didn't get to actually have a right look at the instrument we were probably very young at the time he was probably afraid that we'd break it and, and he was probably right <laughs> but um when i got the chance to have my own accordion great uh, i was uh, and we were my sister my younger sister mary opt- opted for the banjo and my older sister magella opted for the fiddle so um we were really really lucky of course um that my parents were able to get us these instruments and uh, it was very exciting getting the instruments and we kind of taught ourselves we went to various different lessons and stuff but we we really taught ourselves from there on from what we already knew on the tin whistles and we'd been at that stage listening to lots of great music as well and by uh, you know listening to all these amazing um Uh, bands like Stockton's Wing and De De Donnan and um, we were hugely, hugely influenced by Matt Malloy flute player and uh, Tommy Peoples fiddle player from Donegal and uh, Tommy Peoples was actually living down in Tuna which is the village where we we used to go over to to play I
1: I love Sharon that that place is called Tuna like Tuna couldn't be more appropriate could it like with all the music going on it spells different um um,
2: It's it's spelled T-O-O-N-A-G-H. Yeah, that's close enough, though. I just, even in the sound of it. Yeah, the first time I was ever over in, in, in Frank Custy's house in, in Tuna, we were over for a, a band rehearsal or something. And um, Frank's wife, Teresa made these really fancy sandwiches for us. And there was tuna fish in the sandwiches. And it was my first time ever... <laughs> having tuna fish I never even heard of it before and I thought I remember being really puzzled because I was thinking thinking there's no river here in tuna (laughs) where did they get the tuna fish
1: (laughs) tuna from tuna and then all the tunes as well it's really there was too much going on there Escape the Ordinary with Green and Blacks Wildly Deliciously Organic Sponsor of the Irish Times Women's Podcast A rich, intense chocolate to savour. Sharon, talk to me about music and comfort and uh, solace, because very sadly, you lost your partner in 2008, Leo Healy, very suddenly and very sadly. And I know that after he died, music uh, was such a comfort then. People come into your house, people remembering him through music.
2: Yeah, music was a lifesaver at that stage. And it, it has been for me. Throughout my whole, whole life, it's it's it's. I don't know where I'd be. As as Seamus Begley said on his program the other night, where would we be without it? I don't know. I I, I wouldn't have this amazing life. I have a great life, thanks thanks to music, and um, and thanks to my love of music, and um, I I've met some amazing friends through music. But uh, during during that particular time, music was incredibly helpful and it it has this huge healing quality and um, it can just lift you up and the fact that so many people came around here and my friend Winnie came over from New York and spent a a whole week here Seamus Begley came up from Dingle I think Winnie Winnie was here for two weeks Seamus Begley came up from Dingle and spent a whole week here and my, my manager John and his wife Hilly came down as well they were here for about five or six days as well, and then all the rest of my friends. There was music here in the house, nearly twenty-four-seven for about three weeks, and it, it was an amazing um help. And not, but I remember as well thinking, "Oh my God, uh, you know, this is like a, a a big bubble of friends and music." But of course, it can't last forever, and and uh, eventually the, the bubble did burst and um, it wasn't as 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 easy after that, but the, but the music still, you know, you you can still always play music whenever you want and listen to music when you whenever you want, which is helpful. But having all those friends around was just unbelievably. And and I presume
1: through your relationship then, obviously, music was huge between you and sort of the memories of that, of reminding you of the yeah. relationship as well.
2: Yeah, Leo was a big, huge music lover, absolutely a huge music lover. So we had a lot of music at the church, at the funeral mass, lo- loads of great, absolutely gorgeous songs and and tunes. And then there was loads of music, even at the grave. We had the big double bass down <laughs> at the grave, as well and all these lovely gospel songs and everything the lads were just you know uh, and um, the lads and lassies I should say um just had everybody singing at the graveyard and um and then we had a big session back um in the and Dove afterwards as well of just non-stop music and 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 then like I said back at my house then for another few weeks after that for three weeks but when the month's mind was coming up I was constantly listening to the, the songs. I, I made a kind of a compilation playlist that I was listening to a lot. And, and it was all the songs that I found the most comforting during the time of the, the funeral. And, and a good few of them were, were played at the funeral mass as well. So um, I asked my manager, John Dunford, if he thought it would be possible that we could make a CD of the music just to have never to have as a, for, to sell or anything or. Not it wasn't a, a a commercial idea or anything like that. I just wanted to have it, and I just found it really comforting. And I thought it might be a nice thing to give out to all the the friends and family and relatives as a a gift for for the month's mind, instead of you know a card or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so John said yes but i di- i didn't realize myself how much as far as i was concerned i just wanted to put something to kind of together not like amateur style not not a big huge production or anything like, anything like that but john went ahead and got on to all the musicians and um we spent about 2 weeks or something in in the recording studio and we had uh, an album out called songs for Re- for leo it was ready 2 months after after his funeral and we had it ready and we made uh, 100 copies or something like that just to give out to family and friends. That's beautiful. And then
1: you actually have released that album more recently
2: for a charity, which is lovely. Yeah, just just during lockdown, um, I was listening to the album again around the time of of, of Leo's um, anniversary, which is in May. And it's such a beautiful album. And like I said, it brought so much comfort to me I rang John, my manager, and I said, "What would you think about releasing this album with all proceeds going towards a worthy charity, a charity that would that would assist um, bereaving families, and which is a charity called Rosabelle's Rooms. It's this amazing charity that was star- so I wanted to the album to to benefit Rosabelle's Rooms or or a charity something like that 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 helps people that are bereaved, and." So actually, that's what this T-shirt says. It's a beautiful pink
1: T-shirt with Rosebell's rooms on it. And it's it's gorgeous. I mean, you you're you have done a lot of charity work over the years, Sharon. Like it's something that seems to be very much part of your personality that you give back. Moving on from a grieving, I suppose, and, and how because I think a lot of people listening, uh, lost someone or especially at this time, things are very sad. How did you find yourself? Uh, you said music was a comfort, but it's 2008 since since you lost him. But how do you, have you found you still grieving now? I mean, it's with something like that. It never really ends, does it?
2: No, it doesn't. No, no. But life goes on and you have to um, be grateful for, for, for all your blessings in life and 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 i have very many of of course everyone has their fair share of of bad luck and good luck so but it's very hard not 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 to put our energy into in, into the bad things that happen to us but if we can try and make ourselves concentrate on 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 the, all the good things life gets a lot better and uh especially if we can just appreciate it every day and think about all the good things that we have and um and I suppose it attracts more good things as well. If you if you concentrate on on all the all life's blessings, I suppose. I don't know what you call them. <laughs> I think
1: blessings is a great word. And I think that's what many of us have been doing during this very, very strange time, really coming back to what's important and not the material, which we can kind of get a bit caught up on. I don't have this or I want that. And really, at the end of the day, are those things important? I suppose is
2: what many people have been asking themselves. And we realise um, I think this lockdown has made us all realise all the things that we've been taking for granted all these years. Or like being able to just ring up some friends and say, come on over and have a bit of crack at the house or or just meet some people randomly in, in a pub or something. And, you know, not even plan anything and end up having a great crack for a whole day or something playing tunes. And, you know, that we can't do that anymore. And when it does come back if if and when uh it does come back we'll appreciate it all the more we definitely will i
1: i think so and i i i, I just as you're talking there i'm thinking of that it's that spontaneity it's the kind of crack that happens when you least expect it that is it's the thing i think i miss the most you know just the adventure of life has gone because we can't plan we can't just go out in the world and see what happens you know
2: yeah 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 there's 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 no spontaneity uh, no, no, no spont spontaneity anymore it's just everything has to be planned and all the social distancing and Sharon tell us so
1: going back to the album and about what you're doing now you know, it's it's a great sounding uh, thing. I'm looking forward to listening to it more because I've only listened to it once or twice. And but I really the Reckoning song is fantastic. It's like it feels like an instant classic, actually. It just it's it's just sounds so brilliant. What are your ambitions left, Sharon? Because you you're someone that many people listening will have seen so many times on the Late Late. You know, your lovely smiling face with your accordion and the Galway girl thing with Mundy, which was so huge and became such a massive song. Are you an ambitious kind of person or is is it, are you just more like you go along with what's happening and or have you any plans when we come out of this are you dying to get back on stage because this is a really difficult time for musicians and performers and artists I think particularly
2: um well i'm a I'm a homebird Russian, and I love being at home I really love it um and I'm not a massive fan of being on the road but it's what i what it's what I do and and, and it's what pays my bills and um the one thing I do miss is be, being on the road. The, the, the lovely part of being on the road is being on stage and meeting all these lovely people and seeing all these gorgeous, smiley faces in the audience looking up at you. And you know, so every nearly every night I have to go, Oh my god, this is just amazing that all these people have come out yet again to see. And I'm, I'm it, it kind of surprises me and I'm going how come how can I still be doing this 20 years later or 30 years later have they not heard me already You <laughs> you think that once is enough but people still still coming back and they' the people are amazing and they're the people that I have to be so thankful to they' they're they're the people that are you know the people that love the music they're the people that keep all this going for all of us professional musicians we wouldn't be able to to do it without those people. And if there's any of you listening, thank you all so much. You're amazing. And I'm I really miss meeting and uh, seeing all those lovely people and uh, and getting to meet them after the gigs and everything. And I've met so many amazing people over the years, just just through the music and the gigs and everything. Or meeting the people that genuinely love the music and you know they're really, really genuine music fans.
1: And for 2021, then hopefully if we can see a light at the end of this tunnel, what are you hoping for and what will you look forward to getting back to when this is all over?
2: I'm looking forward to the spontaneity coming back. Do you know what I mean? Where you can just you, you walk around the town and you meet some friends and go for a coffee or, you know, uh, and, and end up, you know, playing tunes or whatever like that and having tunes in the house, having a big sing song or and. For the last couple of years as well, for my father's 90th birthday, we've been having, on the day of his birthday, we decided to have a big get together or sing song for him with all great musicians, all great singers and everything in Kinvara. And we did it about two and a half years ago. We did it about six times that year. And every time we did it, we called it Daddy's Birthday. And then we did it again last year as well. So we had had his 90th birthday, about six, six of them. And the same again last year, and a 91st <laughs> birthday. Uh, and he's 92 now, so we did it three years in a row. And um, there's a man who knows he's loved Sharon, right? <laughs> so I'm hoping now. I'm looking forward to having a 93 for him in April, and 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 loads more 93s as well all next year.
1: Well, that's something lovely to look forward to. And listen, the album's amazing. You're doing incredible work. You're still at the peak of your powers, I think, artistically. And it's been so lovely to talk to you and hear your beautiful accent as well and to see your gorgeous, colorful home. So keep up the decorating, because I think you've got a skill there with all those stencils and
2: oh, thanks. Yeah, I learned to I, I started making my own stencils as well. Like the, those flowers that I showed you, I made them myself, but it's so easy to make them. They're, there, you don't have to be a good artist. I, you know, those they are really simple. I'm just telling if anyone else wants to do it, you just get some kind of sturdy plastic and draw the flowers on it with a Sharpie or whatever, and then just cut out the shapes with a Stanley knife and then... Stick the, the plastic onto the wall with some... Um. Sharon,
1: I think you need your own little craft programme on RTE or something, because I would watch it and I would love to learn from you and, and do all your things. But listen, um, it's been lovely to talk to you and uh, you've had a very productive lockdown. Like probably you're the most productive lockdown person I've spoken to this year between everything, the album and the interior decorating, the baking and the learning electric guitar. You're, you're making me feel very, very... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not as good
2: as you, but anyway. I, I forgot time. to tell you as well that um, I started a Patreon page thing where people can listen to podcasts. I started, have done, there's about 12 podcasts of the makings of all the different albums up to now.
1: Oh, well, that's brilliant. And so people can go on your Patreon page and they can sign up and hear all of that. So that's that's, that's a fascinating thing to do so they can get all the behind the scenes of how all this global collaboration happened. And the album is called The Reckoning. And I have to tell everyone it's it's a brilliant listen. It's a great sort of little uplifting distraction for these times, particularly. So you're also doing something in conjunction with the NUIG music department. You're going to be filming a series of master classes, which is great. And that's going to happen in December. And they're going to be used as the part of the music degree in NUIG. Are you excited about that?
2: Really excited about that, Roisin. Yeah, yeah. And well, we had one Zoom call with the students at NUIG so far. And it went really well, and I was really excited. And, and as you say, as we've discussed already, it's great to see the actual faces and the people that you're talking to, like at a, at, at a gig, to to actually actually see the faces. Um. So got to see some of those faces on the yeah. Zoom call.
1: And how wonderful for people to be getting music lessons from Sharon Shannon. I think that's fantastic. And you know, in some ways, these are good things that are coming out of you know, having to kind of be inventive in lockdown and find different ways to teach because that would never have come about except for probably this.
2: Yeah, well, it's um we, we won't actually really be teaching people how to play the instruments. It's part of the music degree course for NUIG. Yeah,
1: but I mean, just even lessons within that music degree, just hearing from people like yourself and going on Zoom and that kind of thing.
2: Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, sure. It's great altogether. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it now, and we're going to be filming that in a few weeks. And um, actually, I, I I filmed several uh, tutorial videos as well from my Patreon for beginners. Oh, that's absolute great, absolute beginners. Yeah, yeah. So I'm teaching people how to play. Um, the accordion, how to play the scale on the accordion and really simple little tunes. Brilliant.
1: Well, I started ukulele, Sharon, so maybe I'll get on to that now. Maybe that's my next thing. That'll be my electric guitar is uh, the the accordion. Oh, great. I'll come back to you when I've mastered the scale. Sharon Shannon, it's been absolutely brilliant to talk to you and hopefully see you again soon.
2: Thank you, Roisin. Thanks a million. Lovely talking to you.
0: And that's it for today. Thanks to our guest, Sharon Shannon. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we are on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast, or email us on podcast at irishtimes.com. The Women's Podcast is produced by Roisin Ingle, Suzanne Brennan and Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thanks for listening.